I grew up, I was the youngest in my family by quite a long way. I grew up and my brother was 17 years older than me, which meant that by the time I came along um, and he went off to uni, I was was just a wee bairn uh, and um, we really didn't, we didn't know each other. Um, And so I don't really know what it's like growing up with a brother, okay? What I did know about is that Anne and I had five sons and one daughter, uh, and I saw sort of close up how they connected together. I say, I mean, they were a close family. I say close. Um, At times, it was abrasive and fraught. Uh, They were at times getting angry and upset and combative and highly competitive, But this is what I would say about brothers in particular, is that at the end of the day, they'd always sort out the issues. There was loads of time of just hilarity and fun and a great deal of joy. Do you know, uh, the Bible has many examples of brotherly relationships and sisterly relationships getting highly challenging. Um, to name but a few, you know, you've got Esau and Jacob and Rachel and Leah, you've got Joseph and all his brothers, Um, and the Bible brings out and talks about some of their relationships, and you can read about it, but the New Testament encourages us to live out our relationships within the church uh, with fellow believers like brothers and sisters. First, uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.2, Talk to the younger men as you would to much-loved brothers. Treat the older women as mothers and the girls as your sisters, thinking only pure thoughts about them. My first point is that we are part of the same family. We know we have the same father. This same father, he disciplines us exactly the same, in the same way. Not always at the same time, but always justly and always for our good. And we know that our elder brother is Jesus Christ. Like a natural family, um, there will be differences in characteristics, like height or build. Obviously, we were slightly smaller. Um, uh, the, the sticky out ears or the kind of slightly long nose, you know. Um, it marks us out as being, oh, yeah, he's so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter. So in the same way, in a spiritual family, as we are together as a church, uh, there are kind of hallmarks, distinguishing characteristics that our father is, the, is our God in heaven. We are children of God. And the Spirit of God lives in us. That's the first thing. The Spirit of God lives in us. Uh, We have a heart that knows that Christ is our center, not us and our own egos. We know that he comes first. And as brothers and sisters, we all know that deal. We have the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says. We have patience and long-suffering and, and joy and love and self-control. It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, Jesus, when at one time he's, he's, he's teaching and uh, he gets a nudge from somebody that, oh, your, your mother and uh, brothers are waiting outside for you, Jesus. 
And then he says this, who, who are my mother and brothers? And pointing to his disciples said, here, here are my brother, my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We're born into a new spiritual family. We have the same spiritual father. Our relationship with one another should be as brothers and sisters. John goes on in his epistle to say this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I think it's uh, fantastic that as a church we've had this uh, Barnabas account. Uh, we, we've seen uh, over three and a half thousand uh, being given out over the last few months to help people within the church, our brothers and sisters who are in some need. And it's still there if you want to look on the website and just look at that, if that's you. I uh, just encourage you in that. But uh, as John is exhorting us to love in the same way that Christ lays down his life for us, there's something very practical, very sharing. We, uh, we need to share with those that have less. It's not just spiritual encouragement which is good, I want to say, but it's actual practical help. It's helping with, with some cash. It's helping somebody with a DIY project, do a bit of decorating for them, uh, maybe cook a meal for somebody who's just going through it right now. They've got a, a new baby or, or somebody's sick or something. You know, actually, let's make it practical. We'll, it, it's like, it, it is a family. It's not like a family. We are a family together. Last week, Dan spoke about mothers and fathers in the faith. And this week, we're continuing our series, Iron Sharpening Iron. But we're doing it horizontally to each other. There's no hierarchy, okay? Like brothers and sisters, we're doing it one to another. And I think that's important. And my second point is that we need to accept one another. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you, Paul says in Romans 15, 7, in order to bring praise to God. What we see in Scripture is that the most common, the most common way that we see about growing one another is peer to peer. Okay, And just like this diagram is showing you... Um, People tend to grow in maturity and faith by being together in a small band of brothers and sisters all working on the same level and they're helping one another. Uh, they're speaking into one another's lives. It's not a kind of top-down thing. It's, a, it's a, to one another. That's how we see in the New Testament how it's described. There can be at times a senior person who is giving some added wisdom and leadership. But in the main, growth happens from individuals rubbing shoulders with one another. There's that different perspective that comes, a slightly different ordering of priorities. 
On the positive side, it creates spark and creativity and attention to detail. On the negative side, it can feel incredibly frustrating at times. <laughs> know what that feels like? I mean, you know, in your teams. Um, but, you know, from my experience of a multitude of different teams over the years, I, I've seen this, that often God uses that negative to kind of drill down into our unredeemed character to bring about an understanding, a patience, an appreciation for those that are differently wired than us. Do you find that? I just want you to just think about that before I kind of rush on. Just, just allow God's Holy Spirit to just touch you right now. God wants to say, you know... You know that situation, I know it's aggravating you, but I want to use it for my glory. I want to use it to make you more like me. I want you to use it to help you to see things in a different way. I want you to step out of your own ego and the way you see yourself, and I want you to see it from a different perspective. I love it that Scripture doesn't hide these things from us. We, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Jesus is 12. Um, in Luke 22, Jesus is telling them, this kind of last summer, is telling them that one of them is going to betray him. And they're all kind of looking around. And then it says a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. I wonder who were the loudmouths <laughs> that Luke was talking about there. <laughs> I'd hazard a hazard a guess at Peter to start with, uh, who always seemed to be very vocal, kind of like, I am so devoted to you, Christ. Uh, little did he know that in a few hours' time. Uh, <laughs> and we, uh, uh, he, he's the first one to identify uh, Jesus as who he is. He, Jesus is saying, well, who am I? And he said, you are the Lord, the Christ. He's the first one to jump out of the boat, isn't he? And walk on the water to meet Jesus. He's the first one to cut off the ear of somebody uh, to try and bring some protection. Oh, how about James and John? Who offered to bring fire down from heaven to destroy a whole Samaritan village just because they were, weren't being very hospitable. Or... <laughs> And I think this is kind of caps it really in, in Mark 10. He says, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and they said, teacher. He said, yes, uh, uh, we want uh, you to do for us whatever we ask. I mean, you know, what did the other guys think as part of this team? You know, what gall? Uh, well, what do you want me to do, says Jesus. Uh, and they replied, well, let one of us sit on your right-hand side and the other on your left-hand side in glory. Can you kind of sort that out for us? We are here. We're going to make sure we've kind of reserved our seats. You know, what, what, was, what did the other guys think when they said that? You know, I, I, I go there with that in my head. Um, I think they must have thought, you arrogant guys. <laughs> Lord, how did you choose these guys to be part of your team? I think it's funny how um, we so readily, readily jump to the same questions, but we never 
include ourselves. God uses our strengths as well as our weaknesses to bring about his sanctifying work in us all. He molds our character. Uh, He helps us to be more like him, more gracious. And we need to accept one another, as Paul says in Romans. We need to live, know how to live in harmony with one another. We need to know how not to pass judgment on one another. I can remember uh, quite a few years ago now. This is um, when I was about 30, okay? So I can tell you that is uh, 35 years ago. Uh, <laughs> Um, we, uh, we were planting a city church in Newcastle. And uh, Ian Galloway, who was just a couple of years younger than me, uh, and I said, there was just five of us, uh, our wives and, and somebody else, um, and we were planting this church uh, in a, quite a rough council estate in uh, Newcastle. Uh, we were starting it from scratch. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) We didn't actually really have a spiritual father to help us. And so much of it was just learning on the job. We would just kind of meet together and go, well, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. And we were kind of, we would learn how to do that and kind of partnering together. And we, I think, learned huge amounts about each other, about, no, no, that you shouldn't do that. I should do that bit, and you should do that bit, and no, I'll step in there. And we kind of learned about each other and how we ticked. And, you know, it was a load of fun. Uh, we grew in faith, and we grew in wisdom enormously over that time. I think there's always going to be challenges, but there's some real, there's some real help and encouragement strengthening one another. I love the verse in Deuteronomy. It says, one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. We can accomplish a lot more for God together as a team rather than just trying to do things individually. As brothers and sisters together on this journey, on this missionary part together, on this mission that God's given us. Um, thirdly, going back to the uh, Timothy scripture, uh, we focused a lot on kind of brothers, but it says treat younger women as sisters, thinking pure thoughts about them. I, I think that Paul catches the point so well. Uh, we all understand exactly what he's saying. He, he's saying there's no room for kind of sexual innuendos, kind of the kind of flirting and atmosphere of kind of a, a worldly kind of barroom provocative behavior or kind of language in the church. As much as we're able, we need to try and avoid these kind of scenarios from occurring. And so, as a church, we would strongly encourage folk to pray, guys with guys, girls with girls, When we partner up in teams, we try and make sure that there's at least somebody else of the same sex in that team. 
It's just about avoiding a scenario that becomes uncomfortable either for the, for the guy or for the, for the woman. And I think that's just an important thing that we're trying to kind of do. This brings me to a kind of practical outworking uh, that we'd like to launch in the new year, okay, uh, hopefully called Running Partners. Okay, Running Partners is a kind of discipleship program that uh, some related churches have done with a a good degree of success. Uh, It has about two or three people on a peer level, so they're not kind of over each other, they're just on a peer level like I've been talking about. And uh, Matt Wright, who is uh, one of us, who many, many of you would know well within the church, uh, has been part of this, has actually seen it really help him and others, and would like to kind of pioneer this. Uh, and we're looking at trying to launch it sometime in the new year, okay? Um, many of you will be glad to hear that it actually doesn't involve any running. Oh, not really. <laughs> uh, but it kind of gets its name from sort of running the race for Christ, you know, uh, helping to challenge one another. And uh, we'll give you some more details of that uh, in the new year. So uh, my final point. Watch each other's backs. There are times... When you come under attack, okay, we have a very real spiritual enemy who we are told is like a roaring lion and he is just prowling about waiting to pick us off. Actually knowing our weak areas, our unguarded moments and getting us at those moments. And brothers and sisters are there to look out for one another. They often see the ambush coming before it happens. And they can see over your shoulder, and they can see this thing happening, and they can point it out. So they're actually able to help look and watch one another's backs in it. I can remember for our family... A very tough moment was, was when one of my boys uh, was jumped on as a teenager in the rough neighborhood that we were planting the church in. Uh, and he, one of his brothers was there with him at the time, and he came immediately to his rescue. He came out black and blue, uh, and it took actually a long time for those bruises to kind of go away. Uh, He put his safety on the line for his brothers. And you know what it did? 25 years later, I still see that those two brothers have a really close link to one another and they contact each other and see each other. Um, And so it puts something deep in. And we're there to kind of look after one another. God wants us to wage this war together. And it is a war. We need to fight back to back, okay? Knowing each other's weak areas and protecting them. A brother or sister steps in, putting their own safety at stake for the sake of the other. Just read some of the stories of David's mighty men if you want some dramatic, action-packed exploits. So finally, let's be on a 
be a family together, encouraging one another, looking for unity and harmony. But on this race, this mission that God has called us on together. And I leave you with this well-known scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God bless you. Have a great week.